San Francisco head coach Chris Gerlofson joins the program today to discuss his team's strong start, what it takes to earn an at-large bid as a mid-major, and give some of his thoughts on the two-time transfer waiver eligibility change that happened this week. Let's get into it. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Andy Patton. Today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by GameTime. Folks, download the GameTime app, create an account, and use that promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, and you'll get $20 off your first purchase. Happy Friday. For those of you who are looking for a weekend preview, like we typically do on Friday, Isaac and I did take care of that for Thursday, so definitely check that show out for previews on Arizona-Purdue, UConn-Gonzaga, Kentucky-North Carolina, all the fantastic games taking place this weekend. For today, though, we are talking with Coach Chris Gerlifson all about their win over Seattle U on Wednesday. they got a big game coming up against Utah State on Saturday. All sorts of fantastic conversation about his program, the WCC, uh, the new transfer ruling that came down earlier this week. All sorts of fantastic stuff here. Check it out. I'm thrilled to be joined today by San Francisco Dons head coach Chris Gerlifson coming off a big comeback win over Seattle U on Wednesday. Also getting ready for a home game on Saturday against Utah State. And folks, I know that Wednesday's slate was dominated by Creighton losing to UNLV and Northwestern losing to Chicago State. But I got to tell you, the Seattle U-San Francisco game was one of the most exciting games I have seen in a long time. Dons down 15 in the first half. I don't think they... You guys took a lead until like the seven-minute mark, but yet managed to secure a victory over a solid Seattle U squad. What what changed in the second half that managed to help you guys uh, pull off that victory over, again, a solid squad there out of the whack? Yeah, uh, I mean, thanks for having me on, of first off, and always good to catch up with you. I, w- I would say uh, the game last night, we, we were super happy just to be able to get out of there with a win. Um you know, playing a game right in the middle of exams, probably poor scheduling on my part. Um, but we really struggled to kind of round out our schedule here um, towards the end of the summer. And Seattle, you agreed to play the game. So we we took it and credit to them. I thought they really uh, kind of punched us in the mouth to start the game um, down 15. Um, but I think uh, our response was about as good as it could be. Um, And sometimes going through some of that adversity and figuring out a way to win um, on a night when, you know, our better players didn't have as good of games of what we expect. um, But we had some guys step in off the bench and really make some winning plays for us. And uh, I think that that'll be a game as the season goes on that we look back on and say we we drew a lot of uh, a, a lot of positives from. You mentioned the scheduling struggles, and that's something that that I wanted to chat about as well. Uh, Your squad managed to get four Power Six programs on the schedule, which is fantastic. Four different Power Six conferences as well with Arizona State, DePaul, Vanderbilt, and Minnesota. But I know that that's a a particular challenge for for good mid-major programs to, to be able to find teams that are willing to schedule at all, certainly willing to schedule and come to campus uh, or even, you know, meet at the Chase Center like Minnesota did. 
and, and I know that Mark Few for Gonzaga spoke about this recently with regards to MTEs and the, the fear that that stuff like that might continue to go away as these conferences continue to get bigger and more bloated and want to play more conference games against each other. It, it limits the ability of them to go play some of those non-conference games. And, and so what, what has been the, the kind of shift in scheduling uh, even just over the last couple of years? And is there concern that, that it's going to continue to get more difficult going forward? Yeah. Um, you know, I would say we, we've kind of moved away from, we, we tried to focus on getting some, some power five type teams here on the West coast. And we just have not had great success with that. Um, so we, we moved along to the philosophy of we'll play power five um, pretty much anywhere, anytime if we can get them on the schedule. And, some of that meant having to go outside of our region, um, made a trip to Vanderbilt um, because we want to play those kind of games. I think it's good for us. It's good for our league. Um, and I, I'm really happy that we were able to get those those teams on the schedule. Um, I know it's going to be probably even harder, you know, if we continue to win games and, and uh, perform at a high level. But um, I really think you have to be open to, to playing anybody, anywhere, um, to try to build your brand and, and to try to really elevate your program. I think having the Chase Center as a, as a um, good resource for us, I think that maybe lends itself to us being able to attract, um, you know, some more Power 5 teams in the, in the future. We have Memphis coming um, next year, which is um, going to be a really kind of attractive game early in the season. So we'll continue to try to think outside the box to – um, I think it's important to elevate us, but also elevate our league. You, uh, it's great to go three and one against the powers, but I do wonder if that that does make it even harder to continue to schedule them uh, as, as, you know, Vanderbilt may not want to bring you guys back after going into their house and getting a W. But but that's a, a fantastic win to have three wins over those power programs and, and certainly resume building wins uh, in, a, in a sense of, of wanting to make sure you're putting together uh, the best resume that you can to, to potentially get an at-large or, of course, win the WCC championship and get in the, the big dance that way. Uh, and, and the WCC has has struggled to get teams into the NCAA tournament outside of Gonzaga and, and more recently St. Mary's. And, and as one of the few programs that has done it uh, in the recent years, really the only one in the last 15 years or so, uh, what, what do you... How, how do you manage to balance, you know, finding the right schedule and, of course, just putting together, like knowing what you need to do in order to get into that big dance as you right now sit in a position where you are on that in that conversation? Obviously, there's a lot of basketball still to be played, but but what what how important is it to get those games to be able to put the resume together and, and, and kind of put yourself in that position? Well, number one, I think you have to you have to win, yeah. uh, win games. Right. But um you know, you, you can't change what your non-conference schedule is as you get into conference play. And if you don't play a schedule um, that is at least going to get you in the conversation, um, it's hard to play catch up, you know, once you get into league play. And um, that's why we wanted to try to really challenge ourselves with our non-conference schedule, um, knowing that we were going to have some tough, tough games and some games where looking back on, we wish we had a couple of the losses back. Mm-hmm. Um but if you look what it's done for us, like metrically um, in the net and in Kempom, those are games that really haven't hurt us that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so moving forward, I think it's really important um, that we try to continue to follow that scheduling model um, and at least put ourselves in a position where our strength to schedule and, and our opponents give us a chance to at least be in the conversation, as you said. 
Coach Gerlison discusses his team's top 25 ranked defense at Ken Palm and the outstanding performance so far from Dayton transfer Mike Sheriff Jomps, all coming up after a word from today's sponsor, Game Time. We are just over a week away from Christmas, and you need last-minute gift ideas? Well, good news, you're in luck with Game Time, the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. And with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and the best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event, and thankfully, Game Time has got you covered. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event, and even an after hour and even an hour after it starts, folks, I use Game Time to buy tickets to an Oregon State Utah Valley basketball game. Fourteen dollars for two tickets. Uh, ultimately, I was unable to go as my plans changed. Was able to resell them at Game Time. Got exactly my money back. It is a fantastic, easy to use app, and again, it takes the guesswork right out of buying tickets. So, download the Game Time app now. Create an account and use that promo code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Again, create an account, redeem code locked on college for $20 off. Terms do apply. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. I'll tell you, as somebody who's followed the WCC pretty religiously for about 15 years, the the number of times I can remember a non-Gonzaga team, uh, even um, including St. Mary's, having three losses in mid-December and still being in the, the tournament conversation it doesn't happen very often. I think that's a strong testament to, uh, you know, to the losses that, to teams that are good. Boise State on the road. I mean, that's not a bad loss at all. Leon Rice and the Broncos, that's a, a really quality program. Uh, Arizona State, obviously a power program. I know they uh, took a loss to San Diego, but that's a, a good team, uh, potentially a better team as they may have added a key player. We'll get to that momentarily, at least for a few weeks. But uh, And then Grand Canyon is, is one of the best mid-major teams that, that doesn't quite get the pub that I think that they deserve, although they look like they might be pushing towards that this year. And, and uh, I, I think just being able to to schedule like that is obviously so valuable, but it also matters how the team is performing. And we're looking at a, a squad right now that, again, according to the metrics, Ken Palm, ha- as we're recording right now, has your team 24th uh, in adjusted defense, uh, one of the top 25 defensive teams uh, in the country. Again, from, from having watched that second half against Seattle U in particular, uh, it was lockdown defense uh, all across the board, really stymied that team that, that scored a lot more uh, easily in the first half. Uh, what has been your philosophy in terms of building a defense that can compete with the best defenses in the country? And, and how much do you think that will serve your team going forward? Yeah, um, first off, credit to the players and our staff. Um, you know, we really worked at it. I think um, kind of reassessing where you're at as a, at a, as a program after a season is so important. And when we got done last year, um, while we had the ability to really score the ball, um, our Achilles heel was really on the defensive end. And if you look back to the year we were um, an NCAA tournament team, we were, you know, a top, I think, 30 defensive team that year. Um, And if you look at the teams that make the NCAA tournament, you have to perform on that side of the ball. And so we tried to address some issues uh, through the transfer portal, um, through some of the schematic things that we've done from a defensive standpoint. Um, but it's a credit to our players. Um, we've spent a lot more time, you know, honing in on some things that we need to do better, uh, especially in the summertime. And it's really translated and our guys have bought in. And, and um, I think they're seeing when we're really locked in what we can be as a defensive unit. I, I think we can continue to get better. 
um, as the year goes on. I want to talk about some of those players in particular, and, and certainly the newcomers have, have made a huge impact. But I do want to start with with a non-newcomer in Marcus Williams, who's uh, been absolutely fantastic. And, and having watched a handful of games this year and last year, uh, he doesn't look like a dramatically different player, but his role has increased and he's really ran with that in a significant way. Again, averaging a little over 16 points per game right now, leading the team and, and just a, a phenomenal talent, uh, it seems like. Uh, San Francisco in particular has always had phenomenal guard play uh, the last half decade, even even longer, of course, with Bouye and Khalil Shabazz and and others. And, and Williams looks like he's just stepped into a, a bigger role and, and kind of seamlessly ran ahead with it. Yeah, we, we this is what we anticipated with him um, when we decided to take him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, from Texas uh, yeah. A&M. And he's really grown up a lot. And I would first, you know, before you even get to any of the basketball stuff with him, he's really made some jumps just as a as a young man, mm-hmm. um, both off the floor, in the classroom. Um, he's learning what it means to kind of be a leader and be a, a voice of a team. Um, he, he's not a finished product yet in, mm-hmm. in any regard, in, in any area. Um, but I'm just really proud of him for his growth. And he, he's bought in. He's trusted both myself and our staff. And it's translated over to the floor. Um, we saw kind of glimpses of, of this last year. Um, to his credit, I thought he did a really good job of, of kind of figuring it out as the year went on, playing with Khalil and, and Ty Roberts. Mm-hmm. Um, but this summer he made a real jump and he, he wanted the weight of what it meant uh, to, to be a leader and to run a team. And, and I'm really proud of him for, for what he's doing for our group. And I'm on him to continue to, um, you know, push the needle and, and, and even, even want more. You know, it's, it's always hard to lose a teammate like Khalil or Ty, but obviously uh, gets a, a fun guard addition next to him in Mike Sheriff Jumps, who's, who's been absolutely fantastic so far, the Dayton transfer. Mongolian Mike, I learned on the broadcast, I didn't realize he was the first Mongolian, I think it was Mongolian-born player to get a Division One scholarship. That's absolutely fantastic stuff for him, and, and he's clearly earned it, playing absolutely incredibly uh, with this program so far uh, as uh, kind of a lead guard, good defensive player. Uh, has he kind of been the player that you were hoping he would he would be fitting in uh, in that backcourt alongside Marcus and, and kind of what has he brought to this team? Yeah, uh, our newcomers have been tremendous, mm-hmm. um, all seven of them. And, yeah. and Mike fits into that category. And, and the thing about our new guys um, and it's a testament to our coaching staff with the just getting to know guys in the transfer portal is a hard thing. And, mm-hmm. and um Every single guy that we've added has really bought in and embraced um, what the culture is here and, and uh, being a team first guy. And, and Mike, uh, credit to him because um, he had a lot of attention um, before he got here and he's really, really bought into the team dynamic. Um, I think he's slowly but surely um, getting comfortable, more and more comfortable. Uh, he had a big game last night for us, uh, which I was happy to see. Um, and he's he's young, you know. He's a guy, he's a sophomore, and, and um, he's he's young in his basketball career. And I think as the year goes on, um, him being six eight, uh, he's a dyna- dynamic player, mm-hmm. and uh, I think he will continue to improve as the year goes on. But I'm I'm proud of him as well. 
Mike's the one who's gotten the most attention, certainly preseason in terms of, of transfer additions for San Francisco. But uh, Jonathan Mobo has been an incredible addition, uh, a find from Missouri State. Uh, didn't have a ton of hype in the transfer portal or a ton of hype even uh, coming to campus, but averaging a double-double as we speak right now, 13.5 points, just over 10 boards. Also averaging 3.5 assists and 1.5 steals. I mean, he's been one of the most productive big men really in the country and certainly in the WCC and uh, watching him against Seattle U again, making such an impact on the glass. And, and he, had, he had a little bit of foul trouble, which certainly was played a, played a big role in the second half of that game, but uh, just a, a really nice find from the staff and, and in the portal and a guy who, who's going to give some really good teams in the WCC, a lot of fits on the block. And I can promise you that. Uh, I hope you're right. Um, <laughs> no, we, we've been really, uh, really, really happy with, with him since getting here. And, and I'll be the first to say when we decided to recruit Jonathan, mm-hmm. um, we targeted him for his defensive prowess. Mm-hmm. You know, Missouri State was a top 50 defensive team with him on the floor last year, and their numbers dipped dramatically with him out of the game. So that was the first thing that kind of drew us to him. We were trying to address some of our defensive um you know, miss Cummings. And um, he's been all of that on that end, but he's been such a pleasant surprise from an offensive standpoint. Um, we figured out we can really initiate offense through him. Um, he was a guard his whole career until his senior year of high school. Uh, he was six foot three and had a growth spurt. Um, so he has some qualities to his game that are very guard like. And um, he can pass the ball, um, he has a really good feel. And I think he's becoming more and more comfortable, like having the ball in his hands. He's never had the ball in his hands this much at the collegiate level. Um, And a guy who can really fill the stat sheet up. So I said after one of these games recently that I think he will be a guy who flirts with a triple-double at some point um, during his time here on the Hilltop. I hope it's soon. Uh, I hope it's Saturday um, (laughs) against Utah State. But I think he has that potential and that, that ability as a player. Talking about just making those transfer portal additions in general, you've mentioned in particular kind of looking for for players who could help boost the team on the defensive end of the floor. And, and uh, with Mobo looking at, at, you know, the impact he had on and off the floor for Missouri State. But what are some other things that you and your staff are kind of looking for when when first evaluating players in the portal? Obviously, we, we talked about Mike and Jonathan. Uh, Malik Thomas ha- has filled a great role off the bench coming over from USC. Stefan Todorovic from SMU. Like There's some really quality additions that seem to fit key roles for, for the Dons. Was that Were you kind of looking for specific role players? And, and kind of what, what does that process look like with, with literally thousands of players uh, to kind of have to sift through uh, every offseason these days? Yeah, the the character piece is probably the first thing. Um, And I give, again, credit to our staff um, for really diving in and getting to know these guys on on an individual level and making sure that um, they wanted to be here for the right reasons. You know, and and through the transfer portal, I think you have to be careful. There are guys who are in the portal for uh, very individual Mm -hmm. Uh, reasons. And I think credit to these guys who have joined our program from top to bottom. They all were about the right stuff and they wanted to be a part of winning. Um, They wanted to be a part of a a place where, um, you know, you you do things for the greater good of the team and not for from an individual standpoint. That would be the first thing. Um, But then 
you, obviously the talent piece is, is a major part of it too. You know, we wanted to add guys that had the ability to increase the talent level in our program. I think we've done that. Um, and these guys, I think, as they get more and more time together, um, have a chance to increase their production and, and increase winning for us. So I'm, I'm really happy with every single guy that we, we've added. Closing out the show today with Coach Gerlifson previewing the WCC and some thoughts on St. Mary's, as well as the new two-time transfer rules suddenly going into effect. All that coming up after a word from today's sponsor, Prize Picks. Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead you to big payouts like their Taco Tuesday deal. Every Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide you all with even more value. Plus, with the Prize Picks reboot policy, your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. So for NFL games or college football top 25 matchups like these upcoming bowl games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and they do not return in the second half, that player is rebooted. Price Picks is the only DFS platform with injury insurance. And this app is just really easy to use. All you do is pick two or more players and you just choose more or less with the given stat. Right now, Price Picks is offering Kevin Durant at 0.5 points on Christmas Day against Dallas. Folks, I got to tell you right now, Kevin Durant's going to score more than one point against the Mavericks. That is easy money right there. So go to pricepicks.com slash college. Use promo code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match of up to $100. Again, that's pricepicks.com slash college. Use promo code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match of up to $100. PrizePix, it's daily fantasy sports made easy. We talked a little bit about the Utah State game. I want to get into that a bit more. This Utah State team, uh, Danny Sprinkle comes over as the head coach from Montana State, had a ton of success there and uh, has has hit the ground running 10-1 and one right now for the Aggies. They got a, a win on the road against Santa Clara very recently, a win against San Diego, two teams, of course, in the WCC. Also, very good UC Irvine team beat St. Louis on the road. This is a, a high-quality program. Uh, coming up for for your squad on Saturday at home and, and uh, looking ahead, uh, I know you're fresh off that win over Seattle U, but kind of what what are you looking for in that game against Utah State? What are you expecting from them, and and how can your team secure another W there? Um, yeah, we're looking forward to the challenge. Number one, um, I have a lot of respect for for Danny and and what he's done over his coaching career. Him and I've you know known each other a long time, and he's won no matter where he's been. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a testament to him and, and kind of how he goes about his business. And um, as I said, we know we're going to have our hands full. Um, but these are the games, again, that um, we look forward to playing. Um, has a chance to elevate not only our our resume, uh, but our league's resume. Uh, we want to perform well in these games. And, um, you know, I, I'm going to get get to work here on on them i know that um they score the ball at an extremely high rate mm-hmm. um had a really good win against a very good santa clara team last night on the road um so i'm looking forward to kind of diving in and, and figuring out you know what we have to do from a game plan standpoint uh to give ourselves the best chance on saturday talking about getting picking up wins for the league and and certainly there's been some uh, up and down performances in the WCC this season some teams that that have performed at or above expectations some teams that frankly have not i know it's been a a surprising season uh, in Moraga for for Randy Bennett and the Gales losing some games they they don't typically lose i continue to uh, firmly believe that they're going to find their way and, and still be a, a very, very strong team in the WCC. It's very rare that they are not uh, in that conversation. Uh, Santa Clara LMU continue to be 
quality programs as well. And so when you look at this, this 18, eight other teams here, uh, of course, you have Gonzaga who's got a huge game coming up against UConn on Friday. That's going to be an absolute blast of a contest. And you look at, at these, these teams and, and who you kind of are, are expecting to, or who you're going to face this year, what are your kind of expectations for, for the league this season and, and kind of where you guys can, can fit in and potentially, you know, find yourself at the top? Yeah. Um, we want to make sure we, number one, we finish out the non-conference the right mm-hmm. way. Um, and use these games to prepare us for what is always a, a tremendously hard slate in the mm-hmm. WCC. I really don't care what any of the numbers say. Or um, This is as well coached of a league as, mm-hmm. as I've been around. Um, and I know whether teams have performed to their expectation level or they mm-hmm. haven't, once league play starts, everything's kind of out the window. Um, and I think you're right. Um, St. Mary's is St. Mary's, uh, LMU is LMU, you go on down the line. These teams are going to be uh, ready and, and, and going to be tough outs uh, once league play starts. And hopefully Gonzaga gets a great win, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, this weekend against UConn. I think that would be great for them, great for our league. So uh, I'm looking forward to league play. Um, but, again, I want to make sure we stay very short-sighted and, and stay focused on kind of the task at hand, and that's, you know, preparing to try to win a game on Saturday against Utah State. You guys, you, you mentioned the Chase Center and, and wanted to just throw out, that, of course, that Gonzaga game is going to be, be at the Chase Center. Uh, how, how exciting do you think that is for your program to have a, an opportunity to play? Uh, I know you, you had the Minnesota game, but to play a, a – what will likely be a ranked team, barring some some changes for Gonzaga uh, in a in a huge environment like that. How how excited are I know that's a long ways away from where you're at right now, but but uh, just kind of thinking ahead to that game, it feels like a really cool opportunity for your program uh, and and your players to get that chance. Yeah, we're we're looking forward to it. I think you know having already played a game there and gotten a, a really good win against a Power Five team you know, under our belt, mm-hmm. um, there will be a, a comfortability factor for, for playing in that building, playing mm-hmm. in that arena. Uh, we're super grateful for the partnership we've built with the Chase Center um, mm-hmm. that allows us to, to play that game. Uh, and we wanted to try to make the Gonzaga game mm-hmm. uh, an even bigger deal, you know, and, and put it even more on a national scale uh, and play it in an NBA arena. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it'll be good, good branding for our league good branding for our program. Um, and it's something that we want to continue to do, you know, moving forward, find opportunities uh, to play even more games while we love our home court here. Um, I think we have a tremendous home court advantage here. Um, but the more games we can play in the NBA arena, I think that that's good for our players and it's good for our program. Last thing I want to ask you about coach here is the uh, very recent uh situation that unfolded with a judge in West Virginia. He just put a 14-day temporary restraining order on two-time transfers, uh, effectively meaning that uh, the the group of players who have been currently awaiting NCAA eligibility or had previously been denied NCAA, NCAA eligibility because they had transferred uh, for a second time. They are not now all eligible until December 27th. As we're recording this, we don't have a ton of other information about what will happen after that. Uh, we do know that these players can play, and we saw it. UNLV played Keelan Boone, a former Pacific player who went out and had 10 points uh, against Creighton in that victory. 
And, and I think it's fair to say that regardless of the overall opinion on whether two-time transfers should be allowed to play, there's certainly uh, some pros and cons on both sides. I think it's fair to acknowledge that a rule changing this suddenly in the middle of the season for a kind of undetermined amount of time is less than ideal for everybody, really for coaches, for players, for the NCAA. It certainly feels like this is not the ideal way for this to, to come down. Yeah, I think that's the very diplomatic way of, of <laughs> explaining it. Um, you know, I, I wasn't surprised to mm-hmm. see it kind of come to what it came to yesterday. Uh, the timing of it is is super strange. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know there were there are a lot of different lawsuits kind of in the works. Um, and, you know, I was actually curious to see yesterday. I know the, the slate of games wasn't heavy because a lot mm-hmm. of teams are in exams, but right. how many of those kids who are awaiting or were sitting out um, mm-hmm. played last night? And it's funny you mentioned Keelan Boone, mm-hmm. um, you know, playing last night and having an effect on that game. We actually have a kid here, Robbie Beasley, who mm-hmm. had been denied a waiver. Um, so he is now eligible and, um, we just made the decision last night that it probably wasn't, um, you know, in his best interest to throw him into the mix on such a short, short turnaround. So mm-hmm. credit to those kids who are able to do that for their 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 programs. Um, but it'll be interesting to see for sure kind of what transpires over the next you know two weeks with all this. Coach, thank you so much for taking time to come on to the show today. We always appreciate having you on. And, and again, congrats on, on the win over Seattle U. A great start to the season and really looking forward to, to watching that game on Saturday against Utah State. And uh, as, as, of course, we get closer and closer to WCC play. Appreciate it, Andy. Thanks for having me on. All right, that's going to wrap us up for today. Thanks again to Coach Gerlison for coming on to the show. Fantastic weekend of College Hoops coming up. Some incredible matchups. Isaac and I are so excited to get back with you on Monday to recap all of the excitement and look ahead to another fantastic week of college basketball. If you don't want to wait that long, join us on our Discord channel. It is free to use. There is a link in the show notes on audio or video platforms. Click that link. Come hang out with us 24-7, talking college basketball all the time. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, as always, peace out.